Ken Bostrom Ministries. Beginning January 2018, Ken Bostrom Ministries engaged in a whole new assignment by entering the airwaves of the world. Don't miss Ken and Mary Bostrom Ministries Live. Hey, welcome. This is Mary Bostrom of Ken Bostrom Ministries. We thank you for being with us today on United in His Purpose broadcast. And I want to give a thank you to all our production partners that make it possible for us to be on the airwaves around the world. Thank you very much. And everything that we do, you're doing with us. And so uh, we're going to have a, a good time today uh, because we always have fun in the Word. And uh, the subject is not very fun but it's necessary. Let me put it that way. We're not having a fun, hurrah, hurrah, make you feel good message, but it is necessary because um, we must have an understanding of what the Bible teaches about everything. You know, when, when the uh, Jewish people were in, uh, in Egypt on the first Passover, they had to eat the whole lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God, and he's also the Word, and we have to eat the whole Word. We have to understand. God said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And Jesus, um, Matthew uh, 13, 18, Jesus said, when anyone hears the Word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the devil comes immediately and snatches it away. So teaching helps you understand, and, and once you understand, you can walk in the truth of it. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people don't understand hell, so they just want to just write it off like it's a big joke that it's just a made-up myth. But Jesus was the best theologian. You know, during the time that Jesus was teaching, there was already a Jewish understanding of what hell was. Now, Jesus challenged all the, um, the, the Pharisees about... Uh, he challenged them about Sabbath, about washing, you know, about fasting. He challenged them on everything, but he never challenged them on hell. But he was, he taught 46 things about hell. And people don't realize that. And, and the pastor just kind of flip over that, like, this is not a feel-good sermon. I might lose tithers in my church, and, and people are not going to like it. They're not going to be comfortable with it. You know, I always say, you know, Jesus wants us to teach about the blood, and a lot of the people are uncomfortable about the blood. You know who's uncomfortable about the blood of Jesus? is religious people and the devil. And so... Um, just let them be. Amen. I'm just going to preach on what God tells me to do. And, you know, the National, um, the National Catholic Report says a pope denies any existence of hell. So what basically the pope, the head of the Catholic Church, is saying, you people don't have to worry about hell because there is no hell. And uh, 2016, the National Geographic had um, an article, and it was called, the campaign to eliminate hell. And hell in the last 20 years, and this was in 2016, the people that believed in hell in 20 years went from 71% down to 58%. And he says, what if the muting of hell is due to neither the emotional weakness nor the loss of the gospel commitment? 
And um, he said, my prediction is that even within conservative circles, the annihilation, and we're going to talk about that, view of hell will be dominant view within 10 to 15 years. And um, so right now, we need a great wave of teachers that will speak the truth. Because uh, if you don't have teachers, people don't understand. And if you don't understand, you can't, you can't walk in the truth. And so um, at the same day, you know, I got, I got really frustrated on my high five one day because it didn't work and I knew I was in some spiritual warfare. And I came back on and I was just really fired up about uh, there is a real hell. And later that day I turned on my recording of 700 Club and somebody had written into Pat uh, Robertson and asked him a question, why aren't the teacher, why aren't the churches teaching on hell anymore? And uh, is there, is, we don't have to know about it anymore? And Pat came back and he said, no. He said, the, the, the preachers are soft. They want a feel-good message to their people so they can keep the people and keep the tithers in, in their church. They want to keep the numbers up, and they don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. And, uh, but he said, there is a real hell. You know, if you believe in heaven, that means you also believe in hell. That, because that's what Jesus teaches. Well, people say, well, if God doesn't exist in hell, uh, if, if, if God is omnipresent, if he is present everywhere at the same time, how can he not be present in hell? Well, let me ask you a question. If God is so powerful that, that um, if he is so all-knowing, if he is so all-knowing, how can he forget your sins? You know, there are things that God has limited himself, and we don't always have to understand everything that God does and why he does it. There's a lot of secret things that belong to the Lord, but we have to believe what is written in, in the word. Amen? You know, there's, there's three different, after like conflict, conflicting views. The first one is annihilation. Annihilation. Um, and this is, you know, this is where the theory is that wicked people will cease to exist after the life. They'll just die, and that's it. But you have to realize we are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and our emotions, and we live in a body. So when we die, our spirit and our soul go to either heaven or hell, and our body stays here on this earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And uh, it's called conditional immorality. And it, it's like good people are going to go to heaven, but there is no hell. See, the wicked people just cease to exist. That's annihilation. And that's what a lot of the people are most comfortable with that kind of teaching. And um, there's uh, Kenneth Hagin. Let me put it. Kenneth Hagin had a book, um, I Went to Hell. Gosh, I'm trying to think of, you know, he did, he, this, this uh, story or this experience that he had was from, I'm trying to figure out where, what year it started, um, 1933. And, and he said, um, he said, since we all want, he said, 
when a pastor, Dr. So-and-so, gives you an invitation, and you've heard this in Sunday school, the, son, the Sunday school teacher challenged him. He said, okay, when the pastor gives an altar call, all of you go down to the altar. So all of them went down to the altar, and, and, they, all, um, and they all, when they said, say the sinner's prayer, he said, say the sinner's prayer. It was not in their heart. It was in their head. They were just doing it just like Mary had a little lamb. And so they were not accepting Jesus in their heart. And uh, Kenneth Hagin, when, when he was uh, a teenager, I think he was 15, he was taken to hell three times. He was dying, and he was taken to hell three times. But his mother was crying out, crying out, crying out, crying out. And let me tell you, I was born... I was baptized. I was raised in church. Every time the church was open, we were there. I was confirmed uh, when I was a teenager. And when I was 32 years old, I thought I was a Christian. I thought I was saved. And when I was 32 years old, I was so depressed. And, and my sister-in-law had just been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And she said, Mary, you know, it was 4th of July, 1982. It could be this 4th of July, it'll be 38 years. She says, Mary, do you mind if I stand over you and pray in my prayer language and see if the Lord tells me why this darkness is over you? And so she stood with her hands on my shoulder and she was praying over me in her prayer language for a long time. And finally she said, I just keep getting, you're supposed to say Jesus is the Lord. And I said, Satan is Lord. I was shocked. She was shocked. I was shocked because I was leading people to the Lord, wondering why they were so emotional, why they were crying. It, was such a, it wasn't such a big deal to me. And I was active in Christian women's. I was then active in church. I was active in daily Bible study, daily prayer. But yet, I could not say Jesus is Lord as long as she was praying in the Spirit over me. Wow. And so she said, would you like Jesus to be your Lord? And I said, yes. And I, and I asked, and so first of all, she led me to renounce. I, I renounce any play, way in my life that I had given to the devil. I, 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 I take any place in my life that I have given to the devil, and, and I, I refuse to have it in my life anymore. I, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I asked Jesus in my heart, and instantly I was miraculously flooded with the love of God. And um, so, you know, it's not because you're going to church. It's not because you're a good church person and um, that you're going to be going to heaven. Another another. Uh, Another view is universalism. Universalism, there was a great uh, Bible teacher in Tulsa, and he was a great evangelist Bible teacher. He had a huge, huge, huge church. And somehow he got the idea that everyone is saved and everyone is going to heaven, even the devil. And it's called universalism. And uh, he lost his church. I mean, people knew that he was nuts because Jesus didn't say, okay, as soon as I am death, uh, put on the cross and buried and, and risen again, everybody is going to heaven. He never said that. He warned it. And in fact, Revelation talks about hell, and it talks about the people, and it talks about the devil in hell, and it talks about people in heaven. And so why would they do that if, if there was universalism? But eternal conscious tor uh, uh, torment in hell, eternal, that is forever and ever. That is uh, what... Uh, what they teach in in in, um, 
it's a theological word, ECT, they use. It's burning without being consumed and suffering without dying. Can you imagine being suffering and suffering and suffering, want to die and you can't die? That's exactly what happened. Now, Augustine, Augustine of Hippo, in his book, City of God, was published in 426. And that set the tone for the official doctrine of hell over the next 1,500 years. Uh, hell existed not to reform um, or deter sinners, he argued, is primary the purpose was to satisfy the demands of justice. Augustine believed in the literal existence of the lake of fire. Now, a lot of people don't believe in it, but he believed in it. Uh, I want to share with you some different views of, of hell. Uh, first, I'm going to start on some different religions. Let's talk about the Jehovah Witnesses. They believe that 144,000 live are spirits in heaven. The rest righteous, the great crowd, live on earth, but must obey God perfectly for 1,000 years, or they'll cease to exist. Uh, Mormonism, is, um, eventually not everyone goes on to three, it says eventually nearly everyone goes on to three separate heavenly kingdoms, with some serving, achieving godhood. Apostates and murderers go to outer darkness. Uh, let's go to Seventh-day Adventists. Humans have no immaterial spirit, so at death the body goes onto the ground and the breath goes to God. Nothing remains except in God's memory. At judgment, the lake of fire annihilates the wicked, causes them to cease to exist. How about Christian science? Christian science believes that death is not real. Heaven and hell are states of mind. The way to reach heaven is by attaining harmony, oneness of God. The Unity Church believes in reincarnation. The New Age believes there, no, there is no real heaven or hell. Scientology believes that hell is a myth and heaven is a false dream. Uh, Judaism, there is a physical resurrection. The obedient will live forever with God. The unrighteous will suffer. Some Jews do not believe in a consciousness life after death. Kabbalah, reincarnation. Hinduism, reincarnation. Harry Christus, endless reincarnation. Uh, Buddhism, reincarnation. People who do not have their own individual soul or spirit, but one's desire of feelings may be reincarnated into another person. And uh, Catholic churches, they have an interesting thing called purgatory. Now, on the picture here, you can see heaven on the top. This is heaven. And then you can see in the middle is they have purgatory, and on the bottom you have hell trying to pull that person down. Now, where did that start? Purgatory actually is a word that means a plan of purification, and it's never found in the Bible, not even in the Catholic Bible. Uh, the term began in 1274 uh, when they had the, um, the Council of Lions, but uh, I, was, I was reading in another book, that the term began in 600 A.D. And, and the reason that purgatory started being taught in the Catholic Church is because the church needed money. <laughs> Doesn't that sound kind of familiar? They kind of, if you need money, just, just play on the people's uh, emotions. And, and so they invented this word called purgatory to get people to pay indulgences or, or to pay money to the church to have them pray their their loved ones out of purgatory, so that they would not they wouldn't stay in that 
in that state forever, they would go to heaven. And um, when we get to the, the picture that you, you will see that there is no place in between heaven and hell that I called purgatory. Um, let's see, some more views. Let me go back here. Um, Lutheran Church, and I was in Lutheran Church. They believe that, that you, when you're sprinkled as a baby, you're saved, and when you're a teenager, then you confirm that you, you, you confirm it with your mouth that uh, accept Jesus as your Lord. Um, there's a, a congregational churches, those who trust in, in God and live as Jesus' disciples, area promised eternal life in God's kingdom. No position is taken on fu future wicked one way or the other. And so a lot of different churches have a di lot of different views. Uh, I'm not coming back as, when I die, I'm not coming back as a pig or, a, or a, a lion or anything else. I'm going to heaven. Amen. So let's start in the beginning. In the beginning, how did hell get created and why did God create it? Because God created all things. So in the beginning... Here, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, do you think God created it perfect? God, you know, the Bible talks about uh, this, and it, and it, this for verse here. God created, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And we're going to see in another verse that he created it perfect. And Second um, Peter 3.6, we're going to talk about that in a bit. But this in the beginning, that was a world that uh, then existed. You're going to find out that, that the Bible talks about three different worlds. And here in Genesis 1-2, it says, The earth was without form and void and darkness. Now that darkness, it, it's, the word is koshet, and it means the dark, and darkness figurative destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, and wickedness. So wickedness was upon the face of the earth. Can you imagine? God, in first verse, God created it perfect. By the second verse, it was darkness. It was wickedness. It was sorrow. It was death. It was on the face of the earth, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters. And, um, and then we come to Second uh, Peter 3, 5 through 8. And it's talking about, for they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens of old, that's how God created it in the first place, and the earth standing out of the water uh, by the world that then existed, then existed, flooded with water. But the heavens and earth which are now, now this is the earth that we're living in right now. It was after what's called Lucifer's flood. That world is, 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 the word is cosmos, and it means a social system. It refers to the pre-Adamic world. Um, so here in verse 13, it's talking about the new earth. But let's look here at, at what does without form or void mean in, in the second verse. Isaiah 45, 18 says, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain. He did not create it in vain. He created it perfect. 
who formed it to be inhabited. You know, there was a caveman back there. There was my first question when we first got born again and we went to a Bible-believing church. Uh, my daughter went up to the pastor and says, so where's the dinosaurs in the Bible? And he said they're between verses 1 and 2 in Genesis chapter 1. That's where the billions and billions and billions of years are probably in that area. And, um, and, but in Jeremiah 4.23, here Jeremiah, God, God can show a prophet forward or he can show the prophet backwards. And, uh, and in Jeremiah 4.23, it says, I beheld the earth and it was without form and void and the heavens and it had no light. And so God showed Jeremiah what it used to be. Now, without form of void in Hebrew is, is three different words, tohu, va, bohu. It means it became a literal mess. And I believe this is when, when Lucifer fell and it, the creation of hell. So let's look at the creation of hell. <coughs> There's, um, I was wondering if I had enough time to do this, but I will. If, when you go to Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, How are, have you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cast down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation of the farthest of sides of the north. I will ascend in the heavens of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. And you shall be and, and then here's what God said. You shall be brought down to Sheol, hell. You to the lowest parts of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man? who made the earth tremble and shook the nations, who made the world wilderness and destroyed the cities, who did not open the house of the, his prisoners. <laughs> yeah, that was Satan. And so the gap theory puts uh, probably millions and billions of years, and the scientists have proven rocks and different bones that they're finding are millions of years old. So they say the Bible isn't true because the Bible only covers 6,000 years. And um, no, they, they, didn't, they don't take into account everything that happened between Genesis 1, 1, and 2. In Isaiah 14, 3 through 4, Satan bowed, and we talked about that, the I wills. And that's when he was thrown onto heaven. Most scholars believe that the, that the water that was covering the earth back then was a creation of, of hell. God had created the hell, and it is a burning fire in the center of the earth. And um, it, they needed the water to cool down the earth. And, you know, Matthew 25:41. It didn't didn't say God created the hell to put His people in. No, God created the hell. He prepared it for the devil and his angels. You know, the the devil came down with one third of the angels, and uh, God created heaven for that. The flood was, and here what the Dakes Bible says, the flood, and they're talking about. Uh, Lucifer's flood was more devastating and lasted longer than Noah's flood for it destroyed even vegetation while in one year in 17 days Noah's flood did not 
Now the Schofield Bible says it, some scholars identify the watery, watery coverage as a result of Lucifer's flood, which occurred after the angelic rebellion in heaven and the expulsion of, of Satan. One simple explanation of the watery covering is that at that point God created hell and the chambers of the underworld, since hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. And so that's really what's called to the gap theory. Now, when you have the, the um, journey to the center of the earth, that's what we're going to start talking about on, on this next program. But I want to I go back. I want to go to a slide here that I want to show you. If you are born again, you have nothing to fear on hell. You know, uh, Revelation 1.18, Jesus says, I am he who lives, not lived, I am he who lives now. Uh, I was dead, but behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys to hell, to, to Hades and the death, hell and death. And death is the death of the body. You know, there's people that, um, Gary Wood is one of them. He, he was in his car accident. His whole face was smashed. They had to totally redo his jaw when he came back to life. But he went immediately to heaven. He died right in a car accident. And he writes in his book, he didn't feel anything. All of a sudden, he was driving, and all of a sudden, he had a bright, bright light, and then he was in heaven. Another book I was reading of a person that was, was truly a Christian, and uh, Bible-believing, born again, and uh, they were in a car accident, and immediately he said, I, I was driving, and then next thing I knew, I was in heaven. They Jesus tasted death for us. Do you know if your loved one burned in a fire and they were born again and they knew God, they, they were immediately in heaven. They were not in that fire because Jesus tasted death for us. See, he has the keys to death. And so we have great comfort. But so don't sit back and just be relaxed because you're not going to hell. I, I believe we're coming to a time when there's uh, the church could be taken out of the earth. It's what, what um, uh, scholars call the rapture. We're coming to the end of this age, and there won't be a church here anymore. And we're coming to an age where, where a lot of the people want the church to be gone. There's a lot of persecution of the church coming. But we have to stand our ground. We have to be strong in the Lord. We have to know the word of God and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Matthew 16, 18, 19, you know, we should, we should occupy until he comes. Jesus said in the Passion Translation, he told Peter, I give, I, I give you the name Peter, a stone, and the truth of who I am will be a bedrock foundation of which I will build my church, my legislative assembly. And the power of death will not be able to overpower it. I will give you the keys to the king, heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth what is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth what is released in heaven. You know, if you're part of the church that's sitting back and doing nothing, you know, you're going to have to answer to Jesus as one of these last days uh, people that is sent to warn, sent to pray, sent to use your authority. Jesus said, all power and authority is given unto me. And then he says, as he's given them the authority, 
Now you go forward and, and you make disciples of all nations. And um, we're living in a uh, society of comfort where they're comfortable. As long as, as long as I'm taken care of, I don't care what happens to the next generation. Well, we need to because we're responsible. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Amen. This is Ken and Mary Bostrom. We thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to watch us on kbntv.tv, YouTube, Facebook, mboston2.com. Also listen to us on WRNO Shortwave Radio. Contact us at kenbostonministries.org. God bless you today.